Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. My dear friend, I know of no medicine fit to diminish the violent natural inclinations you mentioned, and if I did, I think I should not communicate it to you. Marriage is the proper remedy, it is the most natural state of man, and therefore the state in which you are most likely to find solid happiness. Those are the words of Benjamin Franklin. Welcome to the show. My name is Ben. Oh, Benny Frank. No relation. No, none? (laughs) Well, you know, you're sort of spiritual successors. (laughs) That's very weird. Uh, I at least have better hair, if not a better position in American politics. That's true. But you're also, like Ben Franklin, um, a a bit of a forward-thinking innovator, Ben. Oh, thank you so much, Noel. I I sincerely appreciate that. Uh, They do, in some places, call me the the less cool super producer, Casey Pegram. Which I take as, you know, I treat it as the significant compliment that it is. Well, it's because Casey Pegram is the bar. Right. And it's a very high one. And very few people ever meet that bar. Yeah, but you're like one click below the bar. Oh, no, too kind. Just one click. Man's uh, reach must exceed his grasp, else what's a heaven for? Did Ben Franklin say that? No, that was uh, Robert Browning, the poet Robert Browning. Ah, yes. Yes. Robert uh, Browning. Well, um, here's the thing about Ben Franklin. We know him as one of the founding fathers of these fine United States. He was a part of the Second Continental Congress and was sort of like this – he was a he was a really good diplomat in that he kind of smoothed over some of the tensions between the other founding fathers. He kind of acted as like a little bit of a lubricant, if you will, a human lubricant. Um, he was also an inventor, um, and he published Poor Richard's Almanac, where he espoused the virtues of man and all of these little, you know, quirky sayings, early to bed, early to rise, and all that. And he apparently did get up pretty early every morning in his autobiography. You can read his daily routine. That 
that started with rising at 4 a.m. daily. You always talk about his air baths, Ben. Yes, yes. He's a big believer in air baths. You read my mind, Noel. An air bath is what it sounds like. He sat around naked uh, for his... (laughs) for his personal constitution. Additionally, he was a Freemason, a polymath, and and many other things. He was a man of many interests. And throughout his life, from January 17th, 1706, to his death on April 17th, 1790, he changed the world. And a lot of his enterprises uh, were things that would surprise the average, you know, the the average high school student. You don't hear about a ton of the stuff he's done. You hear about some of his experiments into the nature of electricity and lightning. Yeah, and apparently the whole deal with the key tied to the kite is probably a myth entirely, myth. right? Yep. But he was credited as inventing the lightning rod. Mm-hmm. But today we're talking a little bit more about his little lightning rod. <laughs> There we go. Uh, And the lightning rods of his friends. See, (laughs) one of the things things that you may not learn in a middle school or high school history class about Benjamin Franklin is that he was also a real Lothario, a crazed womanizer, a sex fiend. You could even refer to him as a bit of a rake. (laughs) Yes, yes, an uber rake. Uh, Because... He had uh, – there's so many different directions we can go with this, but uh, we know that the founding fathers at this point in time have moved into the realm of myth in many ways. Noel, I love that you point out at the beginning of the show that the the key story is, you know, is probably a myth. It's sort of like boy George Washington, um, you know, not telling a lie and uh, chopping down the cherry tree and all that. Or wooden teeth. They were actually ivory and bone. But – In the case of Benjamin Franklin's sex life, we have documentation that proves not only uh, is there some sand to the scandalous stories about this man, but uh, he also advised people on their own sex lives. You see, that excerpt that we began the show with is from a real-life letter that Franklin wrote In 1745, the name of the letter is Advice to a Friend on Choosing a Mistress. And this is, again, a real letter. It's strange because we also found that 40 years before the revolution even got underway in 1729, uh, Benjamin Franklin was also a publisher, was reputedly publishing a tabloid newspaper that had an advice column about uh, things that would be considered unmentionable in a lot of uh, higher realms of society. Yeah, that's right. And um, by the time his autobiography came out, it was pretty heavily censored because late in life, he was absolutely honest about some of this stuff. But because of that already approaching mythical idea of the founding fathers, they wanted to protect that legacy and uh, make sure that you only remembered Ben Franklin for Poor Richard's Almanac and for Early to Bed, Early to Rise and for being this model of virtue, studiousness, and steadfast goodness. But uh, Franklin himself acknowledged that he was, in fact, a bit of a lech. He actually said this of himself in an often uh, censored passage from that autobiography. Um, He said, quote, The hard-to-be-governed passion of my youth had hurried me frequently into intrigues with low women, here's the kicker, that fell in my way. Yikes. 
Oh, and then he also added, which were attended with some expense and great inconvenience, besides a continual risk to my health by distemper. As far as we know, and we may not know all of it, this guy throughout his life ended up having, what, 15 illegitimate children? That's what they say, yeah. And if he was around today, this guy would be a Me Too nightmare. Yes. I mean, big time. He was well known, not just for being a lech, but for being a lech for underage, potentially, women. He even, there's a rumor that he carried on a relationship with a daughter and her mother, Margaret Stevenson and her 18-year-old daughter, Polly. That was a little bit probably on the older side of some of his dalliances with young women. And there's a little bit of a paradox here. Well, let's back up and say you're right in his final years as he was aging and after uh, Polly's husband had passed away, he moved her to Philadelphia to live by his side until he passed away in 1790. But th this guy also tried to sleep with his friend's mistresses. That's right. And as we will find, despite the rumors about his interest in younger women, he went on record several times saying that he actually preferred older women in his correspondence, in, like in this letter that he mentions. And we'll get so, to that. The yeah. reason is a little bit more functional, like long term. He's saying older women might be better for the long haul. But um, there's even a little, I guess, a verse, a mini poem kind of that's thrown about uh, the time of referring to his time in London and Paris um, and his reputation that he developed. And it said, Franklin, though plagued with fumbling age, needs nothing to excite him, but is too ready to engage when younger arms invite him. And that came about, believe it or not, folks, when he was in his 70s. Bonkers. Yeah, so this was oh, this was sometime after he had written this letter. He was well known for having what people would describe as an insatiable libido or sex drive. And let's let's go back to this letter when he was writing to a fellow named Cadwallader Colden, which is a fantastic name. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Mr. Cadwallader Colden. And he recommends for, as you said, some, uh, some ostensibly practical reasons that Cadwallader consider uh, choosing a, not, not a mistress, but choosing a wife who is older. He says... If you will not take this counsel and persist in thinking a commerce with the sex inevitable, then I repeat my former advice that in all your amours, you should prefer old women to young ones. You call this a paradox and demand my reasons. And then he outlines seven fairly articulate reasons, but they're all stuff like, um, I don't know. It sounds pretty brutal. Number one, we can just give the gist because these are kind of long. Number one, he says uh, their conversation is better. Like it's yeah, they're more fun to talk to because of their life experience, mm -hmm. and they are more likely because. And it, it, here's the problem with Ben Franklin, and this this is, comes up time and again, and you can probably already tell he's a bit misogynist um, and a little problematic. You and, think? Yeah, because some of these things are very condescending to women, mm -hmm. where he says eh, once they cease to be handsome. Uh, they it's almost as though they will uh, appreciate so much that you're giving them the time of day that they will like do anything for you. Which sounds like a lot like Dennis Reynolds in Always Sunny in exactly. Philadelphia. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty bad. Um, so yeah, they'll take care of you when you're sick. They'll you know make you little cakes and soup. <laughs> I'm editorializing here a little bit, but it sure seems like he's trying to give this guy advice uh, of how to get like a nice like maid. We'll also. 
have sex with him because he also points out age don't mean nothing in the dark. Danny DeVito's character, Frank Reynolds, has a quote about that that we're not going to put on the air. But uh, if you know, you know. Uh, The third thing he says is that there's no hazard of having children. Uh, Then he says they're more discreet, again, because of experience. So they're not going to blow up your spot if you're trying to TLC-style creep. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts of a spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know. I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. One thing we haven't mentioned, another pretty gross uh, little fact about Franklin, is that he was, in fact, married. He had a common-law wife by the name of Deborah Reed, who, like Tony Soprano style, he just cheated on her constantly throughout the span of their 44 years of marriage. Um, And also, as we know, he spent a lot of time abroad as a uh, European ambassador, specifically in London and France. Um, So 18 of those 44 years, they lived apart. Uh, and apparently she – during one of those overseas trips, she had a stroke and Franklin didn't even come back to Philadelphia uh, to see her. And she she died alone um, in 1774. Which is a shame any way you look at it. Uh, to continue these reasons of his, uh, he mentions – I think, Noel, you were alluding to number five when he said – This older woman that he's describing may not be as attractive, per Franklin. He says the uh, face first grows lank and wrinkled, then the neck, then the breast and arms, then the lower parts continuing to the last as plump as ever, so that covering all above with a basket and regarding only what is below the girdle, it is impossible of two women to know an old one from a young one. Here's the line I think you're referring to. And as in the dark, all cats are gray. The pleasure of corporal enjoyment with an old woman is at least equal and frequently superior. Every knack being by practice capable of improvement. That's pretty gross. That's one of the things that leads some scholars to say this letter is satirical or right. comedic. Yeah, he was a, uh, a well-known practical joker mm-hmm. and a satirist. And he also, we haven't mentioned this yet, he also never sent this letter. That's right. He wrote it. We know he actually wrote it, but it, for some reason, was never sent. What are some of the uh, other things he named? He also, again, doubles down on that whole, like, you're doing her a favor kind of vibe. Um, Says he almost, like, tries to characterize having an affair Because, again, this is talking about a mistress. He's not talking about taking a wife because he basically starts the letter off saying you you should get married. It's the better idea to get married because that is the most natural state of man where he can – he compares a single man to uh, one part of a pair of scissors – and a, a useless tool and that, you know, in order to be truly happy and, and uh, fulfilled, you have to have a wife and have that other part of the scissor. Um, but he says, but if you're not going to do that, here are some tips on how to get you the best possible harem of mistresses, presumably, right? Um, so, again, virtuous to uh, carry on an affair with an older lady, um, and he characterized it as such. Quote, they are so grateful while saying it's less sinful um, to sleep with an old woman than it is uh, than the act of, quote, debauching of a virgin, um, which he characterizes as being ruinous to both lady and gentleman. Yeah. And then his seventh point, the penultimate point, is that the compunction or the regret or sorrow is less. It says if you have made a young girl miserable, it may give you frequent bitter reflections. You might feel bad about it later. But in this way, you will make an older woman happy, which is, again, I know I used the word earlier, but it fits. It's kind of gross, right? And he's got one more point, which um, I think you had mentioned earlier, which is they are so italicized grateful, mm. which just stinks. And then he, he closes the whole letter saying, that's my paradox, but still I advise you to marry directly, being sincerely your affectionate friend, Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, Benny Franks. 
So this advice, you know, this is something you and I have not talked about yet when we're off air. Do you think this letter is sincere or do you think it's some draft of a comedic device? I tend to think that it's sincere. I do too. Giving what we know about him. I hate feeling that. Yeah. Because he, as you said, his libido was uh, such a driving force in his life that later he himself came to... Uh, feel terrible about it, but he was also known for trying to feel up almost any woman he found attractive. Oh, yeah. And he he, uh, he treated his wife horribly. His biographer said that he had, or one of his biographers, a guy named Albert Henry Smith, uh, said, it is no use blinking the fact that Franklin's animal instincts and passions were strong and rank and that they led him to the commission of deplorable errata in his life and that the taint of an irredeemable vulgarity is m- much upon this man. Oof. I know. And this is back, you know, in the early Irredeemable 1900s. vulgarity. I know. Oh. And we're, we're harping on this, but it, it's important that we – We're not making a hit piece on some American hero, but it is crucially, crucially important for us to acknowledge that this person was a human being and not just some airbrushed ideal of early America, which, you know, not not to say that he didn't do some amazing things. It's just that he did a lot of horrible things. And when scholars tackle the question of whether Franklin was being comedic or serious, they go back to context clues, whether the letter was delivered, what other kind of stuff did he write. Uh, He, for instance, wrote an article about flatulence. That's right. Called, you heard the title? Like the glorious fart or something like that? Fart proudly. Fart proudly, yeah. Uh, And that was satire, right? Yeah, yeah, that was satire. Uh, but that was satire with, I guess, a, a a cause because he was saying it's a natural act. Don't be ashamed of it. That's right. And he had some hypocrisy going on there too, right? Oh, big time. I mean, in so many ways. Again, like in Poor Richards, he really tries to – I don't know if he's trying to do it for the, for the sake of vanity or whatever. But he certainly – all these aphorisms are, are meant to be these virtuous ways of living, these kind of the Tao of Ben Franklin kind of things, you know. But he even characterizes sex um, as a very utilitarian thing, referring it to it as something that should never be done for pleasure, that should only be done for procreation, you know, for the greater good. Um, But obviously he did not practice what he preached in that respect at all. And he was even – there was rumor that he was a member of the Hellfire Club, which was Mm -hmm. a a group of aristocratic men um, who potentially engaged in like orgies and, you know, all kinds of crazy shenanigans. Yeah, and those those rumors. I think at this point we still have to say he may have been involved, but those <laughs> the circumstantial evidence was uh, pretty pretty strong. We also know that he was a hoaxer. He was a troll for fun. Can you imagine him in the age of the internet? <laughs> I'm having a tough time. Uh, he also was known for um, doing all kinds of weird experiments. He had electricity parties when he wasn't uh, holding orgies. Uh, he invented his own alphabet. We did a whole episode on that one. Uh, yeah, we did. We sure did. We? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Check back on that one if you want to hear more. Mm-hmm. And I think we talked a little bit about some of his inventions, not all of which were amazing, 
<laughs> he had a, uh, we mentioned this in previous episode. He did make bifocals. Uh, he did make the Franklin stove. That was his first invention. He made the glass harmonica, which, uh, quickly got a bad reputation due to the lead in the glass. Oh, but, they, you know, they, but that's, there's still, this is a really cool instrument. It's got like a mm. rotating drum kind of situation mm. where it's like um, beveled glass orbs, almost like you'd think of a Christmas decoration. Like glass bowls. Glass bowls, but they're all joined together. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, it's, it's the same uh, idea as playing tones from a half-filled or various levels of water in wine glasses. You rub your finger around it, it creates a synthetic vibration. But they, they do still exist. And mm-hmm. if, if you look, if you Google it, you can find some concerts of classical pieces being played on the a modern day harmonica. Yes, which will not poison people Correct. who play it. Of uh, course. This is such a ghostly, distinct sound. Casey, uh, if, if you could, could you play just a short clip of that so everyone can hear the music? Perfect. That's some spooky stuff. Oh, Casey, by the way, while while we've got you here, do you think this letter was sincere or meant in jest? (sighs) That's a tough one. Um, (laughs) This doesn't seem funny enough to be satire. It's so hard to say something that old from such a different time. But yeah, it's probably probably mostly sincere, I would say. Mm -hmm. Which is oof. Yeah. Also, Casey on the case. We have the verdict. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I meant I said El Camino and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it so uh the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, 
Oh, man, and funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising, one with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. So, as mentioned in a previous episode, he compiled a list of 200 plus very specific synonyms. If you heard our previous episode, then you may know what we're alluding to. Uh, we would like to introduce you to the return of Ben Franklin's 200 plus synonyms for being drunk. Oh, these are, I adore these. <laughs> I never get tired of these. I feel like most of these work really well if you say them in a Cockney accent. All right, give it a go. You, well, you go. I'll just do a handful. Let's see. And then and then we can switch off. He's had a thump over the head with Samson's jawbone. He's bridgy. He's cat. Chagrined. Capable. Crapped. Cherumbilical. Cherry Mary. Wumple cropped. Cracked. Concerned. Halfway to Concord. He's taken a chirping glass. Got corns in his head. A cup too much. I don't even know how to say this one. He's eat his copper. He's crocus, catched. He's cuts his capers. He's been in the cellar. He's in the cups. Non-compost, cocked, curried, cut, chipper, chicory, loaded his cart. Okay, I'd like to do a few as well. Uh, There's literally 200 of them. They're so good, so many. Uh, My favorites are the ones that don't make too much sense in the modern day. So stuff like, uh, I'll do a different English accent. Stuff like, uh, he makes Virginia fence. He's disguised with a Z. He's right before the wind with all his studding sails out. He's been too free with Sir John Strawberry. What the fuck? I know. He's he's drunk as David Sow. He's seen the yellow star. He's as stiff as a ringboat. His shoe pinches him. He's staggerish. He's polite. He's wasted his paunch. He's been amongst the Philippians. He's contending with Pharaoh. And what what I think is uh, weird about that is a while back, I cooked up the euphemism that I like to use for when someone's had too much to drink, which was, 
They're very charming. Mm, my mom likes that one as well. They're very charming. Yeah, my mom's always said that. I love that too. <laughs> Some of these are just, again, we're going through them alphabetically, but he's eat a toad and a half for breakfast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's. Uh, he owes no man a farthing. <laughs> he says, as good conditioned as a puppy. Uh, he smelt of an onion, which is so much of these euphemisms are just all dependent on intonation, right? Oh, he's going to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. He's got the gout. He's had a kick in the guts, been with Sir John Goa, been at Geneva, globular, got the glanders. He's been before George. Oh, before George. Oh, George. He's Top been, heavy. Yeah. I don't know why he's uh, – apparently Ben Franklin was uh, trolling some people. I like to think that he had a friend named George and he was trying to make fun of him well, by making a figure of speech. Well, I don't know. No, now, that's a question I wanted to ask you, Ben. Hmm. I feel like this is sort of an anthropological experiment where he's overheard these in various pubs throughout his travels and he's documenting them. That's the official explanation but some of these feel styled upon. I, I would agree with you. You know, yeah. so uh, let us know what your favorite one is. A lot of biblical ones. Going to Jerusalem, been mm-hmm. to Jericho. Mm-hmm. My favorite, most straightforward one is he's intoxicated. <laughs> yes. he, he's had too much to drink. Did you see Nim Topsical? He's Nim Topsical. That's like some Seuss stuff right there. Right, That's isn't crazy. it? Uh, so, or Oxycrosium. Uh, so... None of this, uh, despite the fact that we both obviously think this is hilarious, uh, none of this mitigates uh, his overwhelmingly gross activities uh, yeah. with women. Yeah. Uh, in his his letter, which is pretty short, you can read on in full online, his letter does, it sounds like to all three of us, come off more sincere than uh, coming off as a satirical piece. You know what I mean? And thus ends the story of one of Ben Franklin's most famous or infamous unsent letters. But this does not end our show. Uh, Noel, I propose that we uh, that we take a trip into a segment we haven't done in a while. Listener mail? Sounds great, man. What do we have? Our first listener mail comes from Christine C., and it is in regards to our Tooth Fairy episode. Christine writes, my kids had the worst Tooth Fairy ever. She was consistently late. Um, (laughs) After a while, she started leaving notes explaining why. Little notes written with pink or purple gel pen. One fairy was fighting in a civil war. One was in drug rehab for a fairy dust addiction. There were many others. I remember one of my daughters actually gave back some of the money to help uh, these derelict tooth fairies. Um, love the show, Christine. That's that's really funny. That's great. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for writing in. We have received uh, some great stories from everyone uh, about their own tooth fairy experiences. Uh, here's one from Mike T. Mike T says, Gentlemen, enjoyed the episode about the tooth fairy. Didn't realize how recent that entity is. Since you asked, I had a fairly unorthodox approach to interacting with my daughter when she started losing teeth. This was about eight years ago. Instead of money, she got a poem under her pillow. The poem was purportedly from the tooth fairy, and they were centered around the tooth loss. I still have a collection of about five or six of them on the computer, The Lost Teeth Chronicles. At some point, our daughter actually wrote a letter to the tooth fairy trying to figure out why she wasn't getting any money. She was pretty upset about it. I think she still has the reply from the tooth fairy in her drawer somewhere. Anyway, thanks, Mike. So it sounds like we have a lot of parents who are taking an innovative and original approach to the tooth fairy story. 
I think that's pretty cool. I do too. And it was not something that I really considered, uh, but why not make it your own, right? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And since this practice is fairly recent, who knows the, uh, the practice that you invent with your loved ones may become the, like the dominant thing. You know what I mean? Uh, A few decades from now, People may be getting tooth fairy poems instead uh, or tooth fairy correspondence instead of quarters or nickels or however it works out with inflation. I'll have to check the episode out again. This concludes our listener mail. But not our show. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in for our next episode when we uncover what may be the one of the real life inspirations for the tale of Rapunzel. In the meantime, you can find Casey, Noel, and myself all over the internet. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that jazz. Uh, We've got a community page where you can meet our favorite part of the show, your fellow listeners. It's called Ridiculous Historians. Uh, And if you want to find us personally on Instagram, we can help you out with that too. I am at Ben Bowling. I am at Embryonic Insider. Big thanks to our super producer, Casey Pegram. As always, Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Yeah. Oh, I was just hype manning you. Oh, man. (laughs) I know you are a big fan of uh, all of these folks, um, as am I. And of course, um, our research associate, Gabe. Yes, yes. Thanks so much. Uh, and Noel, uh, thanks for thanks for hanging out with me as we dive once again into... You know what? I feel like we did something important in this episode, but I can't resist going back to those synonyms for being drunk. Oh, I know. They're, they're just too much fun. If you have a made-up synonym for being drunk, go ahead and send it to us yeah. as well. Yeah, you can also just do that at ridiculous at howstuffworks.com. We will see you next time. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.